good morning, folks. Good morning. And welcome to worship this morning at Bullhelvy. Uh, nice to see a few uh, returning faces. It's great to see you along this morning. You're very welcome. Um, just a few wee bulletins to bring to you before we get uh, started in our worship. Um, just to say the house group is meeting again, William and Linda's in Balmedy, this Thursday at half past uh, seven. House group's been going for about, I don't know, about 15 years, something like that. Um, the Africans have a saying, it takes, uh, it takes a community to raise a child. Uh, and I would say it takes a community to raise a Christian child. Um, the way that we grow up in our faith, I think, is in conversation and in community uh, with other people. Um, and that's exactly what the house group tries to be. We gather, we talk about life, we talk about faith, we sometimes explore a book, uh, we pray together all for the ends of growing in our own faith so that we can live out our faith in meaningful ways uh, in the places where we live. So if that sounds like something you'd like to be a part of, you would be very welcome to come along to William and Linda's. William's down at the back, or you could speak to myself, and we'll, um, we'll give you more detail if you'd like to know more. But all are welcome to come and join uh, that house group on Thursday 13th, half past seven. Um, the Social Committee are organising uh, a concert by the guitarist and singer uh, Bruce Davis, Saturday 5th of November from 2 to 4 in the Forsyth Hall. And Jane here in the, the Red Anorak, Jane's got tickets uh, for the, from the Social Committee today. So if you're interested in coming, uh, the tickets are £6 and she'll have some today that you can buy after the service. So grab Jane by her Red Anorak and she'll happily sell you some tickets. And try and encourage um, folks to come along as well. It'd be great if we could have a good turnout for Bruce Davis. And then just one last one which is from the Guild. The Guild AGM is going to be held Tuesday 18th of October in the Forsyth Hall at half past seven and they're going to be looking at the Guild projects and seeing where the donations uh, from our Soup Sundays uh, go to. So that's the Guild AGM Forsyth Hall 7.30 on the 18th of October. But those are all our announcements so we're going to begin our service this morning. Uh, with one of the great hymns of harvest. You might think that we've missed a week, but actually we've not, uh, because I chose this particularly today with harvest in mind, but also because the chorus is very much about giving thanks. And that's part of what we're thinking about this morning in this sermon. So we're going to sing, we plow the fields and scatter. Let's worship God together. We
Lord, we praise you not only for creating the world and everything in it, but also for creating us and for giving us life. We praise you that the world in which you've placed us has been filled with so many beautiful things and many kind and understanding people. We praise you for your grace to us and your compassion towards all that you have made. We praise you that when the world turned its back on you, you kept pursuing us with your indefatigable love. Thank you that in Christ you entered our world and shared every experience of our lives. We bless you for his life, death, and resurrection and for the power of the Holy Spirit who transforms our lives. We bless you for the Spirit's coming to give us strength, to enable us to grow and empower us to walk the way of Jesus. We bless you for the gifts of the Spirit given to all your people so that our witness, our worship and our faithfulness might bring you glory. And we bless you for all whose words and deeds, whose lives of caring, faithful witness to Christ reflect your love at work in a fallen world. Father, we thank you for bringing your Spirit's healing presence into our lives. And yet we confess that so often we forget about you and stride off into the day with scarcely a thought about you. Forgive us for being the kind of people we often are, prone to pine for what we don't have and forget what we do have, slow to notice what others do for us and quick to forget the ways in which they help us. So Lord, help us be better than we are, to the praise of your glory and for the blessing of your world. Because we make all our prayers in the name of Jesus, summing them up in the prayer that he taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 17, and reading verses 11 to 19. And Aileen Lamb is going to read for us. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. 
When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Thanks, Ailing. We're going to sing together again, and it's number 755. Be still and know that I am God. And we'll remain seated to sing this one. Let's take a moment to pray now. Let's pray. In you, Lord God, I put my trust. Easy words to sing, Father, harder to put into practice. Find maybe when things are going well in life and we don't have to worry too much, more difficult when there are challenges to face. And I guess that for all of us gathered here today, there are things going on in our lives that are upsetting or disturbing or challenging or saddening. Help us to learn to trust you in the middle of those things. Not that they might immediately, magically change, but that we might find the strength and resilience through our faith in you to endure, to be strong, to keep believing, to trust, 
and to see the light that is at the end of the tunnel, the light that we walk towards, which is the light of Christ. So hear our prayers for these things, because we ask them all in his name. Amen. The old man walks slowly into the office, followed by his grandson, Charlie. Both of them look a little worried, like they know they shouldn't be there. The factory tour is over, and the four other golden ticket winners and their families have gone home. But Charlie and Grandpa Joe can't understand why their host has given them the brush off after what's been such an amazing day in the chocolate factory. So tentatively, they follow him into the study. Mr. Wonka, says Grandpa Joe, what about Charlie's chocolate, the, the lifetime supply of chocolate? Wasn't that part of the deal? Well, it soon becomes clear that that's the wrong question to be asking because Mr. Wonka jumps out of his chair and starts pacing the room, getting angrier and angrier. They went into parts of the factory that they shouldn't have gone into. They stole fizzy lifting drinks. They touched machinery that they shouldn't have touched and that machinery is now going to have to be cleaned. They broke the terms of their contract and because of that, there is no chocolate for Charlie. And of course, Grandpa Joe, Charlie's fiercest defender, is furious. How could Willy Wonka dash a little boy's dreams like that? So with a glint in his eye, Uncle Joe makes the ultimate threat. They're going to betray Mr. Wonka by passing on his latest invention to his greatest rival, Mr. Slugworth. Wonka's everlasting gobstoppers are going to be the next big thing and Slugworth has offered Charlie and his family a small fortune if they can manage to procure one for him. Grandpa Joe turns to leave but as he does so Charlie makes his way over to Mr Wonka's desk where he's pretending to lose himself in his work. And without any fuss Charlie sets the everlasting gobstopper down knowing that he's giving away the only chance his family have of lifting themselves out of poverty. And then for me comes the film's most magical moment. Wonka closes his hand over the gobstopper and murmurs, so shines a good deed in a weary world. And if you've read the book or you've seen the film, you'll know what happens next. Wonka leaps up, his face shining and explains that all this stuff about Slugworth and the gobstopper has been a test. And because Charlie refused to betray his secrets, he's shown himself to be worthy, not just of a lifetime supply of chocolate, but of inheriting the whole darn factory. That simple act of grace, selflessness, and gratitude tells Wonka all that he needs to know about this boy's heart. It's a wonderful story, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and if you haven't read it for a while, you really ought to borrow a grandchild and read it to them. And in some ways, I think there are real parallels with the gospel story that we have before us this morning. 
where all ten lepers, just like all five golden ticket holders, have the same opportunity and the same experience, but one reacts quite differently to all the others. And I think it's worth us digging into that a little bit this morning. Life, it seemed, had dealt those lepers a bad hand. In the ancient world, a diagnosis of leprosy was basically a sentence to exile. Clothing affected by leprosy had to be burned. Houses afflicted with leprosy were torn down. People beset by leprosy were avoided, quite literally, like the plague. And it's no accident that Jesus met these men on the way into a village. And this image that you're seeing here comes from an, an 8th century uh, manuscript of this story. They were on the edge of the village because that's literally where they lived. A little community of the sick on the edge of so-called normality. And I think it's interesting that in that little village there didn't seem to be any problems between Jew and Gentile. They seemed to get on fine. Somehow these divisions never seem to be quite so pressing when there are other more important issues at stake. So Jesus approaches this village and the lepers shout to him for help while keeping their distance as they were used to doing. And how Jesus responds here is a wee bit different from what we usually see in these stories. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't even speak a word of healing over them. Instead, he just says, go and show yourselves to the priests, which is a strange kind of thing to say, and you need a little bit of background to understand it. But in the Jewish law, when someone was healed of a skin disease, the first thing they had to do was to go and show themselves to the priest, almost to get the healing rubber stamped. So all ten obediently head off to do as Jesus asks. And I can't help but wondering what was going on in their minds, because according to the story, at this point, they hadn't yet been healed. So they had to go and see the priest. He was sending them off to see the priest before anything seemed to have changed. How was that going to look to everybody, not least the priests? And in a way, that's very like what happens with the servants at the story of the wedding in Cana, where they had to draw out the water out of these big stone ceremonial jars at Jesus' command and take it to the master of the banquet before they had any idea that it had been turned into wine. So we could understand it if the lepers were a little reserved. But off they went to see the priests. Even the Samaritan, who wasn't beholden to Jewish ways or Jewish law, and Luke tells us that as they went, they were healed. And there is a whole other sermon in that little sentence itself. As they went, they were healed. But let's put ourselves in their shoes for a moment. As you're going along, you begin to feel a tingling under your skin. You start to feel the sun's warmth and the cooling breeze on what up until now has been numb, pallid flesh. You press your fingers into your face 
and into your arms and into your neck and you begin to realize that there's sensation there you can feel them you turn in joy to your friends and you find that the facial paralysis that had stopped you speaking clearly has melted away you can feel your whole body quickening it's like being born for a second time you're newly delivered of illness and all you want to do at this point is to get on with the rest of your life to show the priests this shocking thing that's happened to get your clean bill of health and then run back home actual home to the people that you love and the community that you've been ostracized from and begin to live the life that you'd longed for but could never have known because of this awful disease Now, we really can't blame them for their excitement, can we? Naturally, they are thrilled, completely caught up in what's happened to them. But for all that he's just as overcome, just as keen to get on with his new life, the Samaritan has the presence of mind to remember where this great gift has come from. And he knows that if he goes on ahead now, Jesus might well have moved on by the time he gets back home. So he wheels around and he runs back to him, collapsing at his feet in thanks and wonder and praise. And though Jesus seems pleased to see him and commends him for his faith, he can't help wondering aloud where the other nine are. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Two things came to mind as I was reflecting on that story this week. And the first is how important it is that we don't take people for granted. It makes such a difference when people take the time to recognize what you do for them and to show their appreciation. Last Saturday morning, we had an important presbytery meeting where we were debating the presbytery plan that's been worked on for the last few years. As I'm sure you've picked up, big changes are afoot. We're going to have to manage with roughly half the number of ministers that we had 10 years ago and a good number of congregations are going to have to unite and share a common future which is never an easy thing to manage here in Belhelvy, we're not going into a union at this point but we will be forming a parish grouping with ellen and looking at ways that we can work together more closely going forwards but back to this big meeting it's held in one of the largest churches in presbytery and it's tense there's a lot at stake and a lot of folk have gathered to discuss what's being proposed and to have their say in the debate but when the moderator stands up to begin this crucial meeting there's no amplification even though he's got a good strong voice and tries to compensate it all gets lost in the big echoey space of this building 
And he tries to enlist the minister of the church for help. But the minister, clearly mortified, admits that he hasn't got a clue how the system works and there's nobody around who does. At the single most important presbytery meeting for about two decades. The horror of this this morning is not lost on me because we have a sound engineer in the congregation today. But cue a very awkward 15 minutes of rushing around and pressing buttons until finally, to much relief, somebody with a wee bit of technical know-how manages to save the day and we get our sound and we get through the meeting. And at the end, the hosting minister asked for permission to speak and he apologised for the mess at the beginning and he said, the thing is, I just pitch up on a Sunday morning and the church fairies have been at their work and everything's ready to go. And it completely passed me by that I would need their help this morning. And that, I think, was a reminder to all of us that every church runs on the goodwill and effort of its church fairies. The folk who bake, decorate, beautify, plan, clean, collect and count, visit, host, cook, prepare, pray, play, hammer, paint, preach, organize, advertise, and go the extra mile in a hundred other unseen ways. I think of last Sunday, our harvest service, and I think of the folk who brought produce along, who decorated the church, who took part in the act of worship, including those who welcomed at the door and prepared PowerPoints and pushed the buttons on the laptop, those who staffed creche and Sunday school, who set up the hall ready for use, who prepared and served our lunch and our teas and coffees and fine pieces, who tidied up the hall and the kitchen afterwards, and the folk who removed the produce from the church from out here, tidied everything in, away and did it then and there because there was a funeral on Monday, and then delivered 258 kilograms of goods up to Ellen Community Larder. Folks, I know that none of you do what you do for praise. But we all know that it's nice to be noticed and to be thanked sometimes for our work. So it's good to remember that as we go about our life in congregation. If you see someone doing something to help keep the congregation running, why not take a wee moment just to say thanks for what they're doing, even in passing? A little encouragement goes a long way. And today I want to thank our church fairies from the front for all the different things that you do to keep the place running. And if you're sitting here today and you haven't yet got a job, don't stand still because I can easily give you one. Let me know and we will draw you in because the more people who share the burden, the lighter it is for all of us. It makes a difference being noticed and being thanked, even if you aren't looking for those things. My father-in-law, Colin, is a wise man. And I'm not just saying that because he watches the Bill Helvey service online on a Sunday afternoon. But Colin gave me a piece of advice when I started out in ministry 22 years ago. He said, keep a sunshine file. And I have done Every time 
somebody drops me a wee line of thanks for something that I've done that has helped them, it goes into the sunshine file. And every now and again, when I'm wondering why on earth I do what I'm doing, I dig out the sunshine file and I have a wee read. And it helps me remember that in some small way, the work that I'm doing is making a difference to people. Because at the end of the day, that's the reason I come in to ministry, was to help people in God's name. It just takes a moment to express our thanks to someone in a text, or in an email, or in a note. But what a difference it makes to all of us being noticed and being thanked for what we do. And maybe that's one small, simple way that we can all make a difference and shine a little in a weary world. Now, I said that there were two things that came to mind as I reflected on today's story. And here's the other one as I close. Isn't it sad that only one of the ten came back to thank Jesus for what he had done for them? They were all healed as far as we know, but only one of them returned to thank him for it. Folks, coming to church and being involved in its life should be the norm for members of a congregation. That's what we promised to do when we join the church and our membership has little meaning if we don't follow through on that commitment, assuming that we have our health, which many don't. But getting and staying involved and the life of our church isn't merely a duty that's expected of us as members. At a deeper level, it should be a response of gratitude for all that God has done and indeed is doing for us. If the story that we treasure here, the story of God giving himself up in love for the life of the world, stooping down to us in Christ to lift us up to the heights of his throne, and promising to be with us as our guide to strengthen us in our living. If that story doesn't move you to a response of grateful love, you haven't yet understood it. And you haven't yet understood your need for it. The cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate shining good deed that has ever been played out on the stage of this weary world. May we who profess faith never be so dulled to its significance that we run on ahead with our lives and forget to return to him so that we can lay not just our thanks but our very lives at his feet. going to invite Alan Jeffrey up now to lead us in our prayers for others. Let's join together in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, 
We gather here to praise and worship you, to thank you for everything you have done for us, given us life, been with us, supporting us and guiding us through its ups and downs, the good and bad. Lord, as we look on over our lives, we recognise that there were so many times when we forgot to give you our thanks. We ask your forgiveness now for our oversight. We have heard the story of ten lepers being healed as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. When they realised this, only one man, a Samaritan, not a Jew, returned to thank Jesus in a rather public way, loud and genuine. Lord, when you have obviously come into our lives at very critical times and sorted us out or restored us, give us the courage to thank you with our whole being. As we live our lives among family, friends, acquaintances and strangers, let us live with kindness in our hearts and through our actions. When we offer an act of kindness to a stranger and receive in return a nod of the head, a smile, an encouraging look or a touch on the arm, we grow inside because we have been recognised as a fellow human being who has shown care and love for another. We can also encourage others by thanking those who show us care and concern in any small way. Make a difference for someone today. When did you last thank your parents for bringing you up in the Christian faith, for providing you with all you needed, for loving you so dearly, when you did you last thank your brothers and sisters that appreciated their friendship and care throughout your life? When you did you last thank that special friend for just being there and making life worth living? Do it soon before it's too late. Lord, as you think about planet Earth, this wonderful home you have given us. We realise that because of our sins, things have gone seriously wrong. We see so much hate and harm, which is difficult for us to come to terms with. And we bring our concerns to you now. We want the oppression of Ukrainians and the war waged by Russia to come to an end. Be with the parents, families and friends of young innocent children massacred as he slept in Thailand. Bring them comfort at this time and help them come to terms with their tragic loss. Soften the hearts of the Iranian leaders as the draconian measures to control their citizens, especially women, has led to unrest throughout their land and brutal measures used to control protesters. We think of folks in our own congregation and parish who are coping with bereavement, ill health, 
stress through the cost of living increase and life in general. Help us to encourage them and show our care and concern. Give us the words to say and the deeds to do to lessen their burden. We pray for our minister Paul and the extra work which he has to do with his own church, interim moderator with another church, and the reorganisation of the presbytery. Show him that we love or care for him. Give him thanks for all he does, not just for us, but for his Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in the merciful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Alan. We close our service now in the words of hymn 182. Now thank we all our God.
And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. today uh, another little announcement I should have mentioned at the start which is to say in two weeks time the 23rd Sunday the 23rd of October we're going to have a special celebration service to mark uh, all the work that we've done to our church plant over the last seven years since the development project took off uh, I don't want to rehearse it all here because I think when you lay it all out you'll realize quite how far we've come over that time um, but we're gonna have a, a special service in church and then we're gonna have an official opening of the annex because of course it was all done and completed during the lockdown when we couldn't really properly uh, celebrate so we'll have a church service celebration service thinking about the work we'll make our way over to the annex we'll cut a ribbon and you can all come in and i know many of you have already had a look a look around it to see what's there but many haven't so i'd encourage you not just to come i would encourage you to bring a friend so that they can hear the story come and see this amazing facility that we've now managed to achieve and hopefully we can begin to get the usage creeping up, although it's already beginning to, to pick up after the pandemic. So two weeks time, Sunday 23rd, come 